A wise man builds his life on Jesus' instructions, like a house built on a solid foundation. By tuning in today, you are pouring into your life. This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. morning. Herod was a paranoid tyrant who lived under a constant state of fear and continually, habitually dominated everybody that was around him. Herod had 10 wives, 15 children. His favorite was named Miriam. He was so protective of his particular wife that there was an understanding among the temple guards and palace guards that if anything had happened to Herod when he was out traveling, they were to kill her to make sure that no one else would run off with his favorite wife. He had her parents killed out of paranoia. And this, of course, as you can imagine, created some strife in the relationship. So he had her killed. He would then go on and had their two sons killed, dragged off to a coastal sea and strangled by guards. He always feared that someone was jockeying for his position, for his power, that someone was going to upset his personal empire. And he had built an empire. This was Herod. He was the one who found out from traveling magi that a a new king had been born and he sent out assassins to Bethlehem. It says this in Matthew chapter 2. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he became furious. He sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region, who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been ascertained from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel, weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they were no more. This was the type of king that sat on the throne of Israel when Mary was growing up. Add to that the constant presence and pressures of Roman occupation. This was not a time of peace at the birth of Jesus. There were constant uprisings throughout Israel. There were riots and there were zealots and there were demonstrations of force by Rome and paranoia from Herod. There was no peace. There can be no peace when fear and domination sit upon a throne. What does it feel like to live without peace? I think it feels a lot like 2020, to be perfectly honest. I mean, let's just think back over the year. This was a doozy. Riots, 
debates, fraudulent this, suspected that, dinners with people missing, holidays with people missing, hospitals overrun, backbiting, blaming, toilet paper shortages, state shutdowns. And now I heard that some states in the union are suing other states in the union over election practices. That's, that's, that's not peace. It feels a lot like COVID. I had COVID, I did the COVID thing. Some of you maybe have done the COVID thing, trying to avoid the COVID thing. Jenny, we did it, didn't we? Woohoo! We should get t-shirts made. My body started out with sniffles. And for the long, I thought, hey, okay, you know, this is going to be pretty easy. I can, I can do sniffles. I can do sniffles. And then it, it kind of morphs into other things like nausea and headaches. I think it's the headaches, right, Jenny, that gets you the most. The constant body ache, the, the constant awareness that something's not right and it's always there and you know there's nothing that you can really do about it. It's just this thing now that has become a part of your reality. You're tired. You're, you're mentally tired. You can't string thoughts together. I think for me that was the most difficult point of dealing with the COVID was that you can't string ideas together. You're just kind of caught in this, this state of nauseous funk. There's something that's wrong. There was no harmony within my body. To say that there is peace is to say that there is wholeness, that things are the way that they're supposed to be, that nothing is lacking. I think of peace, I think of my wife's Christmas tree. It's whole, it's complete, it's not lacking anything. The, the decorations are where the decorations are supposed to be and the lights are working and the, the tree is green and luscious. There is a sense of peace and wholeness and completeness when I look at the Christmas tree. A family dinner when everyone is present and who is supposed to be present. And there is harmony around the table. There is peace. Peace is hard. Our homes have lacked peace for a while. And maybe we miss it. But we feel it. You feel a lack of peace. So if you feel that this morning, then you're, you're in very good company with Mary. She longed for peace. We, like Mary, do not want to live in a world, a Herod world. Well, how did that all change for Mary? In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, it started like this. In Luke chapter 1, verse 30, the angel comes to Mary and says, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This echoes the themes of the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 9, who said this, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of the hosts will do this. Mary lives under a paranoid tyrant. And she is going to bring forth the birth of the Prince of Peace. And the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And in response to this message from the angel and the promise of the prophets, Mary brings her own declaration that we've kind of been looking at over the last couple weeks together through our Advent series. This was Mary's declaration. She sings this in Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 46. Mary's song. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He's brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. This season we've learned about hope. Hope is the story in three scenes. It is God's faithfulness in the past, our humble obedience in the present, looking to God's goodness in the future. You need all three of those parts to walk in hope and to experience hope, holding on to what God has done, living obediently in the present, and looking to the goodness of God coming in the future. That's hope. And when we enter into that story, and we realize that we're participants in God's story of goodness, that the natural response is joy. Joy is the natural overflow of living a life of hope. That's why you look at the Christmas story. Wise men have joy. Angels have joy. Mary has joy as they enter and participate in the story. Today, what of peace at no point in Mary's song does she mention the word peace. But I think as we look at it, she is giving us a vision of a new world. Not a Herod world, but a new world that is one of Jesus' peace. 
And so I just want to help us have some, some perspective on peace this morning. So in your notes, if you want to take them out, we'll, we'll write down some things together that might help you remember peace and, and process peace so that peace can be here with you today. The first observation that Mary gives us is this. Herod hearts are to be terminated, not tolerated. If it's peace we're looking for, then Herod hearts are to be terminated, not tolerated. Let's write that down together. It's up on the screen here. Mary doesn't see a world where Herod and peace can coexist. He must come down. As she thinks about his tyranny and his debauchery, as she thinks about his paranoia and his oppression and the weight of Rome, Mary does not see a world where there can be peace and Herod at the throne at the same time. That's why she says in her song that the proud are scattered by God, that the mighty must be brought down, that we cannot dance with the devil and expect peace to prevail at the same time. Mary calls for a God-initiated revolution. If 2020 has shown me anything, it's that there's Herods everywhere. We all too quickly succumb to fear, and we all too quickly seek to dominate and control one another. We push down the one to lift up another or we live indifferent to others as long as they don't topple our own empires. And there are just as many Herods in the church as there are Herods outside the church. We must confront the pride of our own hearts. Or there can be no peace. I think God has toppled many mighty thrones this last year. And I think there are many more to fall. We have to come to the place where we say of our own heart, I will not tolerate a Herod heart in my own life. I cannot give over to paranoia. I cannot give over to dominating and seeking to control. And it's not my place to build an empire. We can't tolerate it. We shouldn't tolerate it in each other. And we shouldn't tolerate it in ourselves. And where we see the tendencies of Herod, we must tear that down. So Mary sang that the mighty would be taken down and the pride would be toppled and those upon the throne would be brought low. If peace is to rule and reign. Secondly, in your notes... Peace is God's gift through King Jesus. Peace is God's gift through King Jesus. Write that down together. 
Herod must come down. All Herods must fall. Herod in myself. Herods in any shapes and sizes in our world. And Mary sees God taking a hold of this mess and fixing it through her son-to-be. Mary goes on and says that he has helped. He has helped the lowly. He has helped the humble. That that means uh, that God has literally taken his hands on it and grabbed a hold of the situation. God has seen what's been going on in Israel and God takes his hands and grabs a hold of it and says, I'm going to do something about this. God sees what Mary goes through and God takes a hold of Mary's life and says, I'm going to do something about this. That's why peace is the presence of God. It's an active presence. It's God putting his hands on it. I remember trying to build a fort growing up. I think all boys probably who grew up in the country go about building forts some type and size. This is kind of what we do. It's the early version of a man cave. And I really couldn't do much more than clear away the brambles and the briars on the space that my dad had said that I could build my little fort. I could clear out some of that, but I really couldn't do the big part of building what needed to happen. It wasn't until my dad took the old (laughs) station wagon, blue station wagon, and hooked up and, and dragged over the, the railroad ties. I couldn't do that. It was my dad whose mighty hands and arms were able to take the pallets and secure them together and bolt them together to make walls and a frame. I needed my dad to take his hands and grab a hold of the situation so that I could have the fort Mary sees in the promise of God, in the angel, God taking his hands and grabbing a hold of. That's why that peace is God's gift. God is doing this. And then what Mary is actually going to go on to see in real live time through the life of her son is King Jesus bringing peace as Jesus takes a hold of people's lives and changes them, grabs a hold of a blind man and heals him and brings him peace and wholeness. Grabs a hold of the life of a man who's brought down through the roof and heals him and restores him. Casts the demons out of another man brings forgiveness and peace and wholeness to a woman accused of adultery. Jesus taking his hands a hold of people and bringing in peace. Peace is God's gift through King Jesus. That's why Jesus says in John 14, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That means that for Jesus, his presence must be active if we're going to experience peace. It's the difference between Jesus is the steering wheel versus Jesus is the spare tire. How many of your cars have a steering wheel? It's the active, yeah, it's the active part. 
steering wheels. Car goes where the car is going to go. It's an active participant in the process of driving. How many of your cars have a spare tire? Probably. Maybe. It's possible. How many of you could have come here without the spare tire? Sure. Got here without the steering wheel? Not a chance. Not a chance. For peace to thrive in our life, Jesus has to be the active presence. It's the difference between Jesus as the operating system of your phone versus Jesus as a gaming app on your phone. If you have a phone, it's an operating system. It's what makes the phone operate. It can't do anything without the operating system. It's the active thing that makes the phone be the phone. Some of you have games on your phone. The games can come, the games can go. The phone will still be the phone. It's the difference between Jesus as king versus Jesus as counselor. Who is on the throne? If peace is going to be manifest in our life, then it's got Jesus' active presence, the priority. He's not something on the side. He's the orienting, steering, operating functional center of our life. If we are struggling with peace, if our lives are struggling with peace, then it's because we are struggling with who's on the throne. Peace is his gift. Thirdly, in your notes, let's write this down together. Peace is God's presence within community. Peace is God's presence within community. Peace is a relational word. One person does not have peace. A people have peace. One spouse member does not have peace. But a marriage can have peace. One family member does not have peace, but a home can have peace. People have peace. They live in harmony of mutual respect and concern for each other. Peace is a community word. And, and I think that's key. We've been exploring the themes of Advent and words like hope and joy. They can come and be our own. I can have hope. I can have joy. But I cannot have peace. Peace is in what is experienced in relationship with one another. The cries of social justice that have risen up have seemed to have blanketed 2020 riots over this and dissension over that and, and, and race confusion here and and the rights of people there. What is vital to understand is that there is no social justice of any kind if it's not Jesus at the center. If there's no Jesus, then there's no justice. You can't have one without the other. You cannot pursue social justice for a country and not have Jesus at the center of it. Because it's Jesus that creates communities of peace. You can have unity you can have a lot of unity and no peace. Do not confuse unity for peace. 
Genesis 11 is a great example. The whole culture was together. Let's build ourselves a city. Let's build ourselves a tower. Let's, let's be an advanced culture. Let's kind, of, let's kind of get ahead of everybody else. And they build this tower that we call Babylon. A great demonstration of cultural unity. The whole country was together, but they were certainly not experiencing peace. And there certainly was not God at the center of it. We have to be very discerning as people when we see unity and Jesus is not at the center of it. Peace exists within Jesus communities and Jesus communities need to learn to remember that. That the church is not an afterthought. The church is not a set-aside entity. If there's going to be peace, it's because the church has picked up the conversation. That's why it says at the end of Mary's song, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever, this ongoing covenant promise of God's people. Now what can happen is, and what has happened to faith communities for centuries, if you continue to herald Jesus as king, you will bring out the Herods in others. But can you have a marriage? Can a marriage be a successful marriage? Can you have peace in your marriage again? Yeah, you can. There can be peace in your marriage again. You need to deal with your Herod heart. You need to make sure that Jesus is that gift of peace. You must strive for it in relationship with your spouse, but absolutely. Peace can come back to your home. Maybe you haven't seen peace in your home for a long time. You can experience peace in your home. Hey, Jesus just can't be a trinket that's on the side of the mantle. Jesus has to come back to being the very center of what's going on. Mary would ultimately see the beginnings of this vision take root. I want to show you a unique picture of Christmas. It's in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Here's, here's a true picture of Christmas. This is some 35 years after Mary wrote her song. But she would see this firsthand in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
That, that's a picture of Christmas. That's a real picture of Christmas. Transformed hearts, the presence of Jesus, growing and functioning in community. Peace is possible for everyone today. And peace can be here. In the midst of 2020 chaos and disappointments, peace can be here. We just have to get off of our thrones of pride and paranoia and walk in community with God and with others. Mary is calling us to not live in Herod's world, but to strive for something else. Maybe, maybe this season is giving you a heightened sense of other people's presence or lack thereof. For the last three weeks, whether it was myself with COVID or just hearing, you know, another family quarantining because of COVID or another family member quarantined because of COVID and letting that touch you and letting that prick your heart, being mindful of the needs of another human being, picking up the phone, how are you? Get the headaches? Yeah, those headaches, that's a real pain, isn't it? The nausea, hey, is there anything I can drop off? Do you need anything? Anything sound good? Can I bring anything by for you? Praying for you. Oh, see, now that's, that's peace. That's community peace. That's in direct contrast to a world that's about me and mine. And it's okay to feel the brokenness of a world without peace. We're supposed to feel that. But it's supposed to spur us on to a love and concern for one another. Christmas Eve, 1914. The fighting came to a ceasefire along the vast trenches of the Western Front. Uh, British and German forces had been kind of caught in a gridlock and a vast no-man's land had built up between them of concertina wire and obstacles. When all of a sudden, <laughs> through the dark on that Christmas Eve, German voices were heard calling over to the other side, Merry Christmas, Englishmen. Merry Christmas, Englishmen. It ushered in an unofficial truce. Men crossed to the other side. Germans walked over to the British side, and the Brits walked over to the German side, and they, they shook hands. They sang songs, carols. They played football all Christmas Day. They gave each other gifts. There was testimony of one British man giving haircuts to the German soldiers who couldn't get their hair cut. They gave each other souvenirs. They exchanged buttons as they gathered around the story of Christmas. Henry Williamson was a 19-year-old private. He wrote this back to his mom. He says, I am writing in the trenches 
It's, an 11, it's, an, it's 11 o'clock in the morning on Christmas, and I have German tobacco in my pipe. Yesterday, the British and the Germans met and shook hands in the trenches and exchanged souvenirs. Yes, all day Christmas, as I write this. Marvelous, isn't it? In 1999, a cross was erected at St. Ives, 85 years after the Christmas truce. And it says, lest we forget. See, that's the, that's the truth and the power of what Christmas is. It's our responsibility to declare that. To soldier one another together and to gather around the message and the song of Jesus. That's where peace comes. As German soldiers and British soldiers gathered around fires and sang Silent Night, Holy Night. All is calm. All is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child. Holy infant, tender and mild. Sleep in heavenly peace. Only in Jesus will we find heavenly peace. Jesus said there are two ways to build your life. A wise man builds his life on God's instructions, like a house on a strong foundation. For more teaching from this ministry, go to whoishouseontherock.com. If you don't have a church, please consider being our guest on a Sunday morning. Again, visit whoishouseontherock.com for more information.